0: Hey kiddos, welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast about fictional father figures. This week, I am joined by artist, educator, and instigator, and creator of the, and I did not know this until just now, daddies Against Patriarchy t-shirt, Uh, Blake is joining me. Hi. Hey. So you, when I asked if you wanted to be on the show, you came up with, an idea that I just loved and I think may have been on my list, but I really wanted someone who could bring a greater depth of knowledge than I could to the subject. And that is the, uh, father of the Adams family Gomez Adams.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> it brought back a lot of stuff for me because, um, I grew up with the Adams family movies in the nineties. And I think this is an interesting thing about the character that we'll probably get into that. These are characters that have been around for like, you know, 70, 80 years.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Charles Adams started drawing them in, uh, the late thirties. Right. Yeah. Yeah, But you never really knew. I mean, he didn't, uh, gomez didn't have a name until the tv show in the 60s and um they were when they decided that they were going to adapt the the cartoons or the uh yeah the cartoons um for a series they had to really kind of threat flesh out like what the relationships were and everything um so it's so Gomez, as we know him, is very much an invention of uh, John Aston.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize that until I sort of was reading up on the 60s show because I had never seen it until I was preparing for this episode. And I even the, his name, Gomez, that was uh, decided by John Aston.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and in Spanish speaking countries, because it's a surname in Spanish speaking countries, he's. Uh, He is Mm
0: -hmm. Homer's. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, the original Adams Family cartoons were very much these, I mean, they were in the New Yorker, right? So they were these very, like, single panel caption kind of pieces, right? And there were these characters who were sort of stock figures that, yeah, like you say, didn't have names, and their relationships weren't really well defined. And those relationships actually, um, I realized doing some research, have changed over time. Like, whether Uncle Fester is uh, Gomez's brother, or a Morticia's uncle, things like that have sort of shifted um, over different portrayals.
1: hmm. Yeah. And I think the thing that has remained consistent about them, though, is that like starting with the cartoons, they were part of this idea of almost like the anti family, like the the um, the the family that's the opposite of whatever the current values are. And I and that I think is the thing that's so compelling about them is that um, their self-proclaimed weirdness um, that isn't necessarily visible to them inside of the family, but is always in contrast to whatever the norms of the time are. Yeah, I
0: mean, that's like the whole kind of conceit of the show, I guess, right? or of the the whole franchise is that they are this like they're sort of unaware of their role as freaks or or outsiders, Mm -hmm.
1: uh, which is really compelling. Yeah. And I think um, I think probably one of the reasons why the show got made is that in the late 50s and early 60s, you had this kind of rise, like along with um Mad Magazine and um Famous Monsters of Filmland and um Big Daddy Roth this whole sort of um in uh excitement about like grossness um and uh and uh monster related stuff and i think that the Adams cartoons got collected a lot and and became popular Again, in the in the '60s, in the early '60s, um, as part of that wave of um, uh, sort of post-beatnik, pre-hippie, mm. anti-establishment stuff. And I know for me, I mean, it's so interesting thinking about growing up with the movies because for me, the shows were, the show was crucial. And, uh, and I think you were probably in the same relationship to the movies that I was to the show.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, the movies came out in 91 and 92. So I was pretty young when they were released and those, um, yeah, those were my earliest experiences with them. And I think probably, um, it was one of those things where, um, where my parents were kind of familiar with. With the show and sort of older incarnations of them, and then they sort of like reappeared in the early '90s, and I was exposed to them for the first time, and, and had no idea that that this was like a, a pre-existing thing, mm-hmm. right? Which is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, and I think I mean I've said to I've I've, I've said to other people like if you want to understand my. Um, entire sexual development. You, all you have to do is look at the Addams Family TV show <laughs> and the Batman series from 66. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are, <laughs> no. yeah,
0: that's crucial. That's foundational for sure for a lot of people. Um, so let's talk about Gomez specifically. Let's yeah. dive in because um, this, he is just like, w- probably for me, the most interesting character of um, of the show. Um, I saw a friend of mine. I was talking about this, the Adams Family, on um, on Twitter the other day, and a friend of mine said, um, "For me, like Gomez is first, then the Munsters Show, and then the Adams Family Show." Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and um. Yeah, no. I'm I'm reading more on this, and like like you were saying, like the the sixties Show is where they were really given all of these attributes that we just so fundamentally associate with these characters and, like, the name John Aston chose and then a lot of other characteristics, too, like the mustache, which is just, like, so Gomez. Um, mm-hmm. It was another thing that John Astin, uh just picked up on and sort of just, like... And and the whole, like, caramia, like, the whole um, mm-hmm. being devoted to Morticia. Like, these are all characteristics that that he put into the character, which is really amazing to me.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the thing... That one of the things that stood out about them um, to me is that they're the only married couple on '60s television that is still sexually interested other. <laughs> <laughs> and and basically will like stop everything to kind of make out mm-hmm. in in the middle of a scene, and and there's something and and it's not that he's a lech because he's not um he's not um like making eyes at he's not a womanizer right yeah he's just so entranced with her mm-hmm. and um i think the other thing about him is that um a lot of times you see tv shows where it's like the bumbling dad or yeah. the or or the dad is as is is really the kid mm-hmm. and the kids are the ones it's like that's sort of the, the home improvement model, right, is that the kids are more together than the dad. Right. And the wife is sort of long suffering. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing, a big thing about Gomez is that he's like as impulsive and delighted as a kid is, but he's still, um, he's still uh, a father. Yeah. In that sense. Like, he doesn't abandon responsibility.
0: Right, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly right. That's such a good way to put it, is that he has these kinds of, like, flights of fancy and is just taken by by things impulsively, but then also is, um, is not, like, the classic kind of, like, sitcom situation with the dad I feel like is the dad gets the family into trouble and the kids or the mom have to bail him out and like I didn't really see that in the the few episodes of the the 60s show that that I looked at
1: Yeah it doesn't it it doesn't really happen um and I think that to me also the contrast between her him and Herman Munster is that him, Herman Munster is much more of that sort of bumbling scheming right, dad yeah you know, and, and much more of like a baby and sort of throws tantrums Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and, um, and, uh, I never, I always found that really off putting, um, as, as a kid and later on. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I love that, um, I love that Gomez is, um, is sort of, All about acceptance. Hmm. And one of the other things you see on the show a lot is that like people are painting in the living Mm -hmm. room. You know? (laughs) And suddenly it's like, this is great that you're painting. Like it like Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, I know. It came up in a few episodes that I watched, and he's always just like effusive in his praise of whether it's like uh, grandmama or Morticia or, Mm or Wednesday or like anyone.
1: Yeah. He's he is up for whatever anybody wants to do.
0: Um one thing that struck me watching the show having never seen it before is that when I think of Gomez I think of like a very uh quintessentially European character like in mm-hmm. terms of his dress, uh his styling, his mannerisms, um his like lapsing into different languages and the interesting thing about the John Aston character to me is that he's very American. Mm-hmm. He's um, he's just like, he's so chipper, which is incredible mm-hmm. because he is, I feel like, playing to the, the kind of 60s uh, dad character at the time. But he is playing him with this, like, he's, you know, he is one of those dads, but he's so unaware that other people find his... Uh, his life and his surroundings to be off-putting. And he just is relentlessly upbeat and welcoming and chipper. And it's just like this amazing interpretation of the character.
1: Yeah, he does not, he doesn't have doubt in that way. And I think that, I mean, I think Raul Julia in the movies is shown to be much more, um, much more European, Um, and, uh, and in a way, I mean, the whole idea of the show is kind of like they're the old world versus, uh, you know, versus the new world of, of the U S in the sixties. But, um, but Gomez is much more of a tycoon, I think in the show, um, than necessarily um like some sort of European nobility. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's reading his stocks um, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always and the things that he and, and the businesses that he owns and buys are things like consolidated Lint. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or there's like a whole thing about him buying like trying to buy a swamp or trying to buy um there's an episode where um uh Morticia overhears a phone conversation with his broker where he's trying to buy a uh, a, a train, um, a, a railroad company, and she thinks that she hears that the family is broke, that they're all broke, and so they have to figure out ways to make money, you know, because cause it would be so embarrassing for Gomez to be broke. Um, and, of course, it ends up, like, they end up in a bidding war against each other to buy the train company, and really all that Gomez wanted was to like own a real railroad so that he could have some real crashes <laughs> <Like>.
0: <laughs> yeah i'm I'm looking at uh the other list of investments that that he has, and it's like uh, a crocodile farm, a salt mine, a tombstone factory, a uranium mine <laughs> mhm.
1: Yeah. it And it's it's always about them being like he I think he like wants the the salt mine because the it's really good for the bats that live there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's this weird sort of fantasy capitalism. And I think also for me as a kid growing up, it was this kind of fantasy of not having to think about money in part because you had so much of it. Yeah. But also I, I loved that house, yeah. you know, and that it's like, oh my God. I mean, my house kind of looks like that now. I
0: oh my God. In
1: that. <laughs> well, there is, there's like taxidermy in the house <laughs> you know? and, um, and, but I think it, it was also part and parcel of like, here was this amazing fantasy world, that didn't look and didn't act like anything else that I was seeing. And so it was super exciting for me. And I think that he, as a model for parenthood and for being a father, is um, that idea about acceptance and encouragement is the thing that really sets them apart. Like the comedy in the show doesn't come from them wanting to fit in and failing. They just are, they just accept that the world is the way that it is. Even people who don't like them are just kind of mysterious to them.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, That's. I feel like that's a really important point is that, yeah, the comedy isn't coming from them blundering in their dealings with normal society it's normal people being like just totally mystified by them and them just totally having like like betraying no sense that they're aware that they're strange or the outliers like they are just totally content in like in their lives and the people who sort of blender in like they kind of pity them almost for like their their kind of what they see as, like, their quirks and, like, their their kind of sad little <laughs> ideas.
1: hmm hmm Yeah, and I think it's something, um, I think it's very sweet in the, um, in the, I, I think I sent you the note to the episode where Wednesday runs away, yeah. right? Um, and I think the whole way that they are with her is, um, is just very, very sweet you know, um, and, um, you know, of course they're worried, but it's also the way that they react to her and, and getting her back is also just very, um, it's not really punitive. It's, it's, um, it's, uh, you know, just very welcoming.
0: Right. Yeah. In that episode, um, Foster is like really insistent that they, like use corporal punishment or something and it's kind of played for laughs but now it's kind of just like uh, (laughs) but um Mm -hmm. and they're just like not having any of it like they're like no that's not gonna work like that's terrible you need to do something that'll actually like make her understand why stealing your explosives is wrong
1: Right. Right. And this is in a world where like Gomez and Morticia are like whipping each other in the living room. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so clear I mean maybe the idea is that hitting is for grown-ups. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I did uh, did uh did you watch the one where they they meet a beatnik? No. Uh, there's this kind of – it's it's actually a sort of very sweet episode where this guy who is riding a motorcycle like crashes outside of the house and ends up coming in and he is – just speaks like the goofiest like hipsters flying <laughs> – which they're all sort of entranced <laughs> with and, like, is kind of kind of amazing. But he is, like, freaked out and thinks that they're completely weird. But he decides to hide out in the house. And he, the reason why he's hiding out is that he's actually the son of this wealthy corporate guy mm. who ends up tracking him down and um, tracking him down to the house and trying to get him to leave. And it becomes this whole thing about, like forget it pops, I'm not going back to like your button down world, blah, 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 blah. And it's all about him. Uh, the kid is supposed to take over his responsibilities as head of the business. And it is this moment where there's actual talk about parenting mm. and, and Gomez and Morticia are like, you know, he's great as he is. He's he like, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be so, uh, to the father They're they're telling him not to, um, make the kid conform and the dad actually gets it. It's one of those situations where like a stuffed shirt doesn't leave in like completely horrified or, or, you know, uh, running off, shaking his head. So it's, it's clear that that was something that they were actually thinking about in the show. Mm. Cause it's just a very different tone from other, shows of the time that had like magical elements like Bewitched or, yeah. or I Dream of Genie or these things where it became all about the tension between someone's innate talent and the world that they were forced to exist in.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the more I talk about him, the more I'm just like, I think Gomez might be like just a good dad. Like, this doesn't happen often on this show. Like usually there's some kind of like discussion of like their faults and like the ways that they're selling us these, these unattainable ideas about, uh, about fatherhood and parenting. But like Gomez is just a good dad, you know, he's just mm-hmm. like very accepting. And like, also like I, I tweeted this the other day, but like Gomez and Morticia are like maybe the most, and maybe only really inspiring example of heterosexuality in media. Mm -hmm. They're just like, they're so great. Um, And I can't really think of another mainstream media straight couple that I can look at and be like, oh, these are like a functional couple of people who seem to really care about each other and their family.
1: Yeah. And they're really there to, they're really there to support each other, you know, and that's, um, I, I think that's like a, just a great thing to see. Um, yeah. And I mean, and, and of course I like, I love the the fact that they had like a dungeon and, <laughs> but, uh, <coughs> you know, above and beyond all of that, it's, um, it's their, um, Obvious delight in each other is something that you don't see in in popular culture very much. Mm-hmm. They seem very suited for each other.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, what's fascinating to me about a lot of portrayals of heterosexual married life and even just like heterosexual desire in general is that it's always like it's always portrayed as almost like begrudging or... Horrible. Um, And even when it's like written and produced by men, like it's, it's always, you know, women are always nags or, um, Mm -hmm. or these drains or like, and it's just like, if you guys like, aren't you supposed to like this? Like, isn't this supposed to be your thing? Like,
1: (laughs) it it feels weirdly. Yeah, it feels weirdly contractual
0: Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. in a lot of ways. And that's, and it doesn't necessarily feel mutual. And, and maybe it's because, I mean, I think maybe one of the interesting things about the Adams family is that because it's so much about displaying otherness, it, it, everything that it is, uh, is telling, is showing you what the mainstream thinks is supposed to be going on. Mm. And it does this weird sort of flip over into, um, I mean, it did. It for me, it was very foundational for the idea of an alternative, like the idea that you could do something else, right? Yeah, you know. Um, and in fact, there's an episode where, um, there's a pair of newlyweds who move into this house next door to the Adamses, and it happens to be a house that, um, Gomez and Morticia own, um, and uh. And the newlyweds are portrayed as like, like a young sort of 60s couple who do nothing but like nag at each other and hate to be around each other. And they're freaked out because they have to live next to these weirdos. And so they try to get out of their lease and they go over and um, it's all about the the husband like begging the wife to do stuff so that they can get, you know, they can accomplish this thing and she's has a horrible time. And it's, um, it's kind of astonishing actually, now that you say that, like, it's like, they're in such contrast to Gomez and Morticia. And it is exactly that idea of it being like, this is onerous, like, like being married in this heterosexual couple is like painful and, um, and terrible.
0: Yeah, I think probably this was like the first example I saw as a kid of like of a cup of a couple who is together still mm-hmm. being really like intensely um like just gest- like making these big gestures of like um of their affection towards one another because I feel like a lot of the media that I grew up with as a kid like it it ends when it gets to that point of of the the two people get together right like that's the ending of a disney movie or of Mm -hmm. a a cartoon or whatever um or the other side of that is like the sitcoms that we were talking about earlier with like the kind of drudgery of of marriage and so the adams family Mm -hmm. was like i think probably the first piece of media i really saw that was like here are these two people who are in love and like the conflict in the story and, like, the drama and the interesting stuff and the comedy in the story doesn't come from from their hating to, like, to be together. Um, mm-hmm. It, like, it comes from external forces.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's interesting because now I'm thinking about, like, in the first movie, there's that couple, there's, there's Gomez's lawyer and his wife, mm-hmm. And her whole arc is goes from being like horrified by the Adams to be to being like sweet talked by Cousin Ed <laughs> at the ball. Yeah, and and uh, in the second movie, she ends up having like she's like either married Cousin Ed or she's had a kid
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, with uh, with Cousin Ed. Yep. And it is that same thing of like during the time that she's married to the lawyer, they're constantly in conflict and barking at each other and dissatisfied with each other and um yeah it's it it is this um well i I mean it's a cliche at this point to talk about something as being really queer, but <laughs> i I do think about like. At Add, the Adams family is a really queer show. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely, I totally agree. Um, and actually, on that point, have you seen the second movie, The *Adams Family Values*?
1: I yes, which I love. It's, I mean, it's definitely
0: yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> well, it's very strange to watch it now because the the pacing of it and like the cuts and everything are like the compression is very different from like a modern film. Um, but there's this moment in it that I really love, which is. Um, w- when the kid is, uh, is born and, mm-hmm. uh, Gomez is of course like, you know, uh, has a cigar and is like, uh, pacing or whatever. And then, um, then he goes in and like, comes back out and, uh, the family's like, is it a boy? Is it a girl? And he's just like, it's an Adams. And it's just <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, obviously not you know, whatever, like it's I'm not claiming that it's this intentional gesture at, at not gendering mm-hmm. babies, but it was just like watching it a few years ago was like, oh, my God, that's so cute. <laughs> and yeah. it's totally what he would do.
1: Well, and there's also the joke, the ongoing jokes in both the movies and the um, and in the show of Morticia knitting something. And whatever it is that she's knitting is for like a relative or something like that. And it always has like extra limbs mm-hmm. or things are incredibly long. Yeah. Like that idea of sort of fantasy bodies um, that are still sort of part of the family are, you know, is sort of there in the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that like in the first movie when she announces that she's. Uh that she's pregnant, she holds up like this onesie that she's been knitting that has like extra legs yeah. or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah. And then when the kid is born it has like it has the Gomez mustache. <laughs> it has the
1: mustache. <laughs> yes. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> It's true. Well, Pubert is is (laughs) like a really great name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the second movie is definitely a lot better, I think, than the first. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think it's just sort of snappier, and Joan Cusack is
0: incredible in it.
1: Yeah. And I think also the thing that's sort of, I mean, a thing that's really clear in that is um, how. There's, um, uh, even as she's about to kill them, they're all completely empathetic.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because she's going through her reasons for killing her parents and her first two husbands. And they're all just like very like cartoonishly materialistic. Like her parents didn't buy her the right Barbie doll. Um, Mm -hmm. they, they bought her a Malibu Barbie
1: and they're, they're Mm -hmm. just
0: like, oh God. And they're like, um, and yeah, and she's about to like electrocute them and they're just like, oh, poor thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's like at that level, the idea of acceptance and non-judgment is, um, is also a thing that's really, that's really great about it. Um, there was something else that I was thinking about with that. Um, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's easy for me to go down the rabbit hole of a lot of episodes, Mm -hmm. but there's also, I mean, just thinking about queerness is like talking about thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and there's, um, a sort of implication in the first movie that thing is like crawling around under Fester's. Pam <laughs> and, uh, and there's an episode in the show where, where they're, they keep talking about like thing meeting up with a night with a nice, uh, a nice lady thing. And he's always brushing it off. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's a little bit weird to gender thing. Right. But. <laughs> huh. Yeah. And I I was trying to think of, well, there's also, I mean, there's the thing about him, about Gomez as like a businessman, um, but also as a, um, they're kind of big into charity, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a lot of stuff about like, uh, giving up things to, for charity bazaars and sales and, um, and sort of being open handed with people, that seems another big part of it mm-hmm yeah, yeah no gomez uh, uh i I think is an excellent excellent dad model <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well,
0: yeah, is there anything else that you do you want to bring up about him before we go? I feel like we've covered a lot of ground
1: yeah i think we i think we i think we got all of great it. just that um I I know like I I just um I love uh I love as as attracted as I am to Ral Julia <laughs> um uh I I love John Aston's performance um as Gomez cuz it's so um it's so full of delight and so um and his and and just his enthusiasm is so uh so refreshing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like definitely if anyone is familiar with like the newer Adams Family incarnations but hasn't seen the sixties show, I would totally recommend going back and watching it because it's it's yeah, it's fantastic. And John Aston is such a big part of that.
1: Yeah. He's the dad that does yoga in the living room. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, uh, where can people find you if they want to um, find you online?
1: Uh, well, people can find me at Nayland all one word dot net, mm-hmm. and um, I'm Nayland Blake at uh, on on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see, uh, if you want a daddy against the patriarchy T-shirt. Uh, they're at teespring.com. Just search for join the D A P. Okay. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah,
0: thank you so much again. Um, and I hope I um, get to see your Adams family ask house sometime soon.
1: Yes. I'll, <laughs> send, I'll, I'll send you pictures. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. No secret passages yet, but we're working well, on
0: it. Yeah, you'll get there. Cool. Okay. All right. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you. Bye, kiddos. Old, all
0: your with Dad Feelings is hosted by merrick Kay and produced and edited by Nick Bravo for Stay Mean. Stay Mean is listener-supported. If you appreciate the shows we make and want access to bonus episodes and other perks, support us at dadfeelings.com/support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz off their album, Foil Deer. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuy. Thanks for listening. Be good, kiddos.